0: Hi, I'm Carly Chamberlain. And I'm Susan Bond. And And this this is Walk Left the Podcast.
1: And I'm
2: Marty Todoric. Thanks for joining us. We're going to be talking a little bit about Neonty Mm Theatre and your upcoming production, first production?
0: First production. First
2: production (laughs) of Overruled and Romance. Yep. Mm -hmm. So, before we talk about the show... Uh, tell me a bit about the company. Tell me about, about Neotony and where it came from.
0: So I have been like primarily an actor for a number of years now and working mostly in classical doing Shakespeare. And I, in the past maybe a couple of years, was sort of coming up against some walls as far as what I was getting out of the work and just having ideas that as far as being in a production, I couldn't properly channel as, as an actor, as far as wanting to tell people what to do. <laughs> so, uh, I I started really seriously, like, about this time last year, or maybe a little over a year, thinking about wanting to move into directing and producing and finding an outlet for the kind of stories I was interested in, and also channeling just my own interests in general. And so i've spent like the past year or so doing a bunch of like assistant directing and sort of informally apprenticing in artistic direction in general uh, to learn more about what producing is and and shaping a season and all that sort of stuff thinking sort of longer term but nyany came out of really i was thinking about what i wanted this first project to be and long term i'm thinking shakespeare but i was Hesitant to have my first big project be Shakespeare, just because of my mm. own standards for what that should be. Um, so I picked some like much easier plays. <laughs> <laughs> so i was like, where am I going with this? Uh, yeah. So I mean, in the end, obviously, I think this offers its own challenges equally. But it's how it came about was reading lots of short plays, specifically. Shaw and Wilde and all that sort of stuff, thinking of that sort of era, and in part because I was at that time thinking about, okay, what will it cost no money to produce? Um, And then I came across Overruled and fell in love with it right away. And that was, ooh, that was like uh, almost two years ago, or maybe a year and a half ago. And I talked to Kelly, who's a member of the cast, about it, because he's a big Shaw fanatic. And we'd been sort of talking about how it could exist, how we could produce it, and for a while I was thinking about, okay, well, what other shop piece can we put with it, because it runs probably about 40 minutes, and just thinking about how it would exist. And then we realized that it was more interesting to pair it with something that wasn't another shop piece, because a lot of his short plays have a sort of similar tone to them, and I I love opposites, so I started thinking about, okay, what? explore some of the same ideas in, in a very different way, And I came across this play by you know, the view um, so what well, basically i the company existed just in my head until this specific project started to take shape in a way that I felt like I could move forward and that's that's well, the rest is history, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> well, the rest is the future because oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's so new anyway. yeah so where did the the name come from
0: um so it i mean it's a scientific word essentially meaning it's the process of not aging essentially but i learned it from uh still Life with woodpecker which is a tom robbins novel and I, it's from a quote the quote i've had like you know on my facebook and i have a giant thing of it up on my wall that i painted it's like two things for me on a personal level that quote speaks to me because I'm you know not the least neurotic person in the world (laughs) so I, I like for me it's important to have that reminder that like taking things taking things too seriously is rarely helpful long term and and you know theater all the theater that has ever inspired me has been like bold and playful and maybe like weird or unexpected and those things just don't come out of like taking yourself seriously and following some sort of strict plan. So it seems suiting that the quote that I sort of take for inspiration in my life also sort of fits what my artistic sensibility is as well. Cool. Yeah.
2: You've kind of built a theater company that fits the way you want to work.
0: Yeah, because sure. I mean, some people
2: kind of come at starting a theater company from this is the kind of material I want to work on, or yeah. like I have a particular philosophy or whatever. So I, kind yeah,
0: of... I mean, I do. Um, there is for sure an added element of like there is particular kinds of plays that I'm interested in, and that sort of falls into like the classics realm, and then also sort of more obscure contemporary works. But as a philosophy in general, yeah, it is more about the approach to the work than anything else i think yeah
2: and so today you have brought with you your assistant director
1: Mm -hmm, Susan.
2: tell me about i guess both of you tell me about how it came about having an assistant director on a project like this
1: well
0: susan and i have known each other for a number of years Mm -hmm. uh she was dramaturg on a bunch of a variety of projects over yeah. the years that I was acting in.
1: You actually acted in the first show I ever dramaturg. I didn't know that. Yeah, that was your first one. My very first one. Yeah. Huh. I'd only learned the word two months before. We started seriously? That. Yeah. That's seriously. So cool. <laughs>
0: That's like blowing my mind because it's so like <laughs> how p- how I identify you in yeah. my mind. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> this needs to stop right now. <laughs> no. Yeah. So we. We've had like a friendship and a working relationship over God like six years now, yeah, something like that. Yeah. And what happened? I I was not really thinking about having an assistant director. I was kind of thinking we talked you know, a little bit about
1: the, about the project last summer, though, yes. before you'd found the butte
0: show. Yes, I forgot about. Yeah, we yeah. had talked about. We had just been talking yeah. as as we do. Mm-hmm. As like n- nerdy, yeah, theater people, yeah. like just talking about what the possibilities were, and and then I guess it was a couple of months ago
1: mm-hmm.
0: when things were starting to come together and we were ramping up to the rehearsal process.
1: Yeah, that
0: I was I was sort of offhandedly mentioning, like talking about the thought of having an assistant director, and Susan was like,
1: "Can that be me?" <laughs> yeah, I think is actually yeah. what I say. <laughs> like, wait a minute, I was
0: like. Wait, what? <laughs> is this something you'd like to do? Yeah. Because she, like, uh, to me, off, has a lot to offer as far as not. I mean, obviously, as a dramaturg, her, like, research skills and interest in that stuff is always really valuable. And it's why I think how we became friends is we both yeah, find definitely. those things interesting. But she, I, I, my experience in rehearsal process has always been that she has a lot more to offer than just what we may sort of traditionally think a dramaturg
1: does. Yeah.
0: And then, I mean, you could speak more to why you were interested in it. But
1: well, I'm having a I'm having a lot of thoughts about. I'm thinking a lot about <laughs> about how, what a dramaturg should or can bring to the rehearsal process. Um, now, I, and I've never worked with a dramaturg who wasn't me. <laughs> So I'm still, I'm sort, I'm sort of exploring that, and I think to fully understand what a director can use, I need to do some directing. Mm-hmm. But so I thought starting to assist and direct might be a, a step down that path. Not so much with directing being being an endpoint, but becoming a better dramaturg for mm-hmm. directors because of my understanding of their needs because of having directed. So, and also I'm just so curious about talking to actors. Yeah. It's about acting. It's really interesting. Um, as a non actor, it's really interesting how actors get talked to. Yeah. So that's that's really my interest. That and this combination of plays is so interesting. <laughs> it's such a weird. Weird uh, and wonderful. Weird combination. and wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. Tell, I...
2: tell me about the combination. Tell me about the sort of so... juxtaposition what you're going for.
0: Well, I mean okay. <laughs> I mean, I think we can can think of Shaw as being quite serious uh, at times, but this piece is very much on his, like, farce end of his canon. Mm-hmm. Um, while still, I mean, God, if you read the preface for it, he obviously had a lot of thoughts about what he was <laughs> writing about as far as the sort of uh, societal implications of it. Because mm-hmm. both plays, in their own ways, are sort of asking questions about relationships and monogamy Mm. and, and Shaw in particular, if you read his preface, was very interested in getting society at that time to acknowledge that what they were saying was going on in their personal lives was different than what was actually going on. So within the sort of framework of a farce, he's, I think, trying to turn that on his head and sort of get people to question what their expectations are and what is actually possible. Because he his whole sort of thing was like it's possible to like sleep with other people and have it be okay. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> and he has a whole chapter of his preface that's like all about jealousy not being what we think it is and not be like the causes of it not being what we think it is. And about it being
1: super performative. Yeah. Like that um acting jealous. As a wronged spouse is something that you have to do so that other spouses don't feel weird about you and your level of commitment. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's all—it's
0: really... all, all very much his whole sort of take on on the issue is all about propriety and what's expected of you. And he, has, he goes on this mm-hmm. whole long thing about how you know the people who are like act the most outraged and indignant by the the topic of mm-hmm. in, not infidelity, but well, infidelity, but more in a broader spectrum. Mm-hmm. Are, tend to be the people who are,
1: how did he put it, are like l- more likely to be doing it? people who are more
0: outraged by it. Yeah, the
1: people who do it are more likely to be outraged when they hear about other people doing it. Yes. That, that, that That's sort of like a performative yes. outrage as opposed to a deeply felt thing. It's fascinating. Also, so, the preface is longer than the play. It absolutely is.
2: <laughs> so what Shaw is saying, in other words, he who smelt it
0: <laughs> dealt it. Yes, basically. Yeah. What's well, interesting to me <laughs> to, to bring it
2: down to the common man, if I may.
0: What's yeah, interesting nice. is like the, the first line. I think of his whole preface is like this play is neither like uh, for or against polygamy, but then he goes on both in the play in in playwright ways, but also very explicitly in this whole preface, essentially making an argument for non-monogamy mm-hmm. like we've talked a bunch about how this is there's like all these connections to like now contemporary like dan savage and this yeah. idea of monogamish because i really do think that what he was trying to get at is the, the same, same thing, thing is like you, everyone can figure out for themselves what works and we'd all be a lot happier if there was less stigma attached to living up to some sort of
1: expectation Particularly because nobody really lives up to that expectation, yeah. I think, is, is the big underlying premise there. Yeah.
2: Good, giving, and George Bernard Shaw. Yeah. The three Gs. Yeah.
1: So, and then, <laughs> how, how, how,
2: I couldn't resist the Dan Savage reference. was yeah, too easy. Yeah.
1: This
2: is, this is just me making wisecracks. <laughs> yeah. This episode is going to be me being terrible. That
0: makes it sound so much more serious than the play actually yeah. is, though. Like, that's, 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 like, the, what's underneath. It's sort of set up into three sort of short plays that go in. It's all one really long scene, but there's sort of one big scene, one big scene, and then the last. And the first scene really plays up the sort of traditional melodramatic romance of like, I love you, but I can't love you, but I want to be with you. And the second is a much more uh, analytical couple as far as mm-hmm. what they <laughs> like seduction is or yeah. isn't and then it all comes together and i won't give it away but essentially they're arguing for working something out or not they mm-hmm. and and but the big argument is talking about like what what's more important what your principles are or what your actual conduct is um and that i think that really is in essence what he was yeah. getting at is like if if those aren't in line in general
1: <laughs> then there's a problem. there's a problem. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So but it, it's funny. It's really funny. <laughs> it's funny and weird and I what I loved about it when I first read it is that it for like, you know, quote unquote period piece, I think it does really turn your expectations on the on the head, for sure. Yeah. Um and but it's still fun and still has that fun feel of what the farce is from that era. Mm-hmm. And and all the actors have a really good sense of the, like, the size and style of that, which is really exciting to me. And is sort of, well, actually, the combination of the plays is sort of the polar opposites of where my interests are as as a director, but also as an audience member. I love that really physically stylized work that's really big and bold and really specific. Um, and then I also love, like, really raw, organic, so-called naturalism. <laughs> so this is like a really cool opportunity.
2: Those so yeah, tell me more about the uh, the other the other side of right, this coin. The
0: other side, so romance, which is by Neil Butte, is was originally written as part of like a exercise. Do you know anything about that? In his little preface, it's it's like it was part of a workshop, mm-hmm. something with a bunch of actors, yeah, and was written as like an exploration of like gender and power on stage. So the characters are written as A and B. And uh, so either gender can play either role. And we're playing that up even further and having, since we have four actors in the company, there are going to be four different versions of it. So there'll be like, there's two A's, two B's, there'll be two straight couples but in opposite roles, and then there's a lesbian couple and a gay couple um just because he he puts it out there as an so it's mm-hmm. yeah it's a cool opportunity to see what happens but the piece itself is it's hard to describe it's essentially exes one X ex surprising the other X to confront them
1: really the most interesting thing for me working on the labute is how different the different casts are mm-hmm. Like, it was like, I remember the first time we ran through all four casts, it was like watching a different show. It didn't even end the same for, like, the first two. Yeah. It was fascinating. Um, and so that, to me, that's what's most interesting about it. Um, and just that it sort of plays up, plays against, reads against a lot of the themes from the shot yeah. play.
0: Yeah. I feel like the, combining the two together, too, is, like, sort of looking at, it's not even the positives and negatives of like non-monogamy because i would say that romance shows the really dark side of infidelity Mm -hmm. of what betrayal does to both the person who's being betrayed and the person who's done the betrayal Mm -hmm. um and that's really interesting to me because it's kind of like a counterpoint in a way It's it's in the same way it's making an argument for this for the same thing which is that like if we were upfront about what our needs are and Mm -hmm. just like genuinely honest with people we care about which is so just just saying that it sounds like such a really hard (laughs) task right but i mean that's like i don't know i feel like it's asking like all the same big questions that i ask as a 20 something person
1: (laughs) in my life
0: but it's all the same questions that i'm always asking myself it's like how do you Stay in a relationship, and like not let it die, and still and still love the same person, and go through those struggles where you're interested in someone else. And how God, like I don't I don't consider myself someone who could ever be in an open relationship, but I definitely know the struggles with like the pull pole, the pulls when you're drawn to someone else, or like figuring out what that means. It's all like big, big questions. Yeah. And it's like every t- every time we we work on romance with the cast, we get into these like pretty like deep conversations as we're trying to break down like what are what are they getting at? What do they want? Right? Because it's a confrontation, but it can't, it's not it's not just about B coming to A and saying you cheated on me. Like the whole sort of setup is that B has come traveled the distance to find this x and confront them like quite a while after they've broken up so what's interesting is like breaking that down and like what's okay what's really motivating that you know and I think everyone knows that feeling of like like when you're like telling off an x was an argument but underneath you're like I want to be with you (laughs) (laughs) and I think that's what's so interesting and what's it's obviously like one of the butte's really strengths to me is like Finding ways to explore those like in tandem emotions that are going on that seem like they shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. I I feel like that's his like thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is why people think of him as being, I think, so dark and provocative because he doesn't really shy away from like acknowledging the just like seeming messed upness in what we want, contradicting what's actually good for us. You know. Mm-hmm. But you do just like not acknowledge (laughs) darkness ever. (laughs) You pair it with something that's hilarious, that's That's what you do. Light and (laughs) Uh frothy. And
1: then everybody comes back. Yeah. No.
2: And you knock them upside the head with something. Yeah.
0: Although we're not even having intermission, so there's no time to recover. It's just going to be one straight into the other and people don't lose their minds. Or hopefully no, hopefully they will lose their mind. <laughs> with that. amazement. With oh, awesomeness. Yes. Too much awesome uh, for my mind. Whoa.
2: <laughs> Has working on this subject matter made you question or change or adjust your own feelings on personal relationships? The way you're hoping to mess up an audience? <laughs>
1: I've been talking with, I have a, a friend who is in a polyamorous, or several polyamorous relationships, so I've been talking to her about the place a little bit, uh, but I'd already been sort of working through these ideas, helping her with her things, mm. <laughs> so it's not a totally new kind yeah. of approach, particularly the Shaw one, that sort of side i would already been looking at a little bit, so. Yeah. I I think,
0: I don't know that the plays have changed my mind although I would say like for me on a personal level i over the past couple of years been sort of going through an evolution of having come out of a very long-term relationship going through my own process of thinking about like big questions about like you know <laughs> as you do out of a long-term relationship like this will never work why are we doing this to ourselves but like Looking particularly at romance has for sure as we talk about what motivates people to do these things and you know like many people I have for sure done things in my life that I'm not proud of and on a personal level I think it has I continue to get clarity as we talk about it and having to talk to the actors about what might be motivating it is is thinking about from just my personal life what like what motivates me to to do stuff that someone from the outside would be like, well, that seems kind of self destructive or mm-hmm. destructive to your relationship or that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's actually something that we, I, I had sort of said in an intellectual way on our first day of rehearsal, which is that my like personal philosophy on why we do seemingly bad things comes from this like drive to fill what's an unfillable hole. And I, I said that on the first day, being like, yes, I believe this, but I, I feel like I now understand that in a deeper way, having this sort of dialogue with mm-hmm. the actors. Because I'm not a very, like, methody actor or director by any means, but I think for this process, we've all sort of had to not open up our personal lives, but open up our minds to thinking about, okay, what do I know f- from my life? and my personal experience is how I can get my way into understanding why this person is doing what they're doing, which is tough. But yeah, I think, I think that more than anything is that it's, I, I have a deeper understanding of my own darkness.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Cause
2: I mean, you never, I mean, with things like this, especially because you're directing it, it's your theater company, mm-hmm. these are the plays you've chosen to put out yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> you never know when people come to this, they'll be like, oh, so, you know, is this is this something that you feel you want to say with your company mm-hmm. that isn't being said or whatever? And you never really know where people are coming mm-hmm. from. Yeah. But I think there's that usually, that, I mean, it happens to actors all the time where somebody who doesn't know you will see you after a show and, yeah. and can't disconnect the murders that you've just yeah. carried out on stage or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they know that you haven't killed anyone, but they They're are like, oh, always yeah. wondering how sympathetic you are with your character, right? Yeah. 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 And so to have a, a theater company and direct these plays and to choose this, to program this evening, yeah. you know, I just you know, wonder what that, <laughs> I'm not like Ooh. what does that say about you?
1: <laughs> but, no, but like... Yeah. But like... I,
0: I, I will say that I think I sort of what I was poorly saying earlier is like, I, I think like, I'm not the only, I hope I'm not the only like, it's just you. Sorry. late twenties, late early thirties bracket into, I mean, i say that, but I like adult, I'm not the only adult human that, <laughs> that struggles with these like big questions of like, what does being in a relationship mean? like that's a big question and as much as this very specifically looks at you know cheating mm-hmm. uh i think in a, I think the questions are bigger than that and that and that to me i mean for sure it's also just what i'm interested in the kinds of stories i'm interested in but i think that question resonates in a larger way as well and i think that's why I chose them, even even though I was like, okay, my first project is gonna be about infidelity, the, the prose, <laughs> <laughs> which is not—it's real. I don't—I don't think that it is necessarily. It's not. I would, I would say, because I—it's now occurring to me that as I'm handing out postcards that say "passion is not real passion without guilt," it's now occurring <laughs> to me that it's. I, it makes some people uncomfortable, just the idea of it. And I would say that the shows and my personal take is not pro-lying or betrayal. I think it's it's a like microscope into two very different situations looking at alternatives in a funny way and what can go wrong. As well or what can go right because that's part of the thing in romance is one of the two characters is is very explicitly trying to find a new way to live so that they don't keep hurting other people so yeah mm-hmm. I will say that the passion is passion with, with passion is not passion without really passion. guilt it's like a clever line but might throw people <laughs> off to the thesis <laughs> of the work but yeah yeah yeah
2: there's something you were saying about it going to, like, this dark place, but it kind of goes to, like, a dark, honest place.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Do you think it goes to a place that everyone will be able to relate to, or everyone oh. will be sort of polarized by the contents
0: oh, of it? Oh, I think it may... Oh, interesting. Mm. I, I'm trying to think back to the first time I read it. I think it might be polarizing. Uh, yeah. uh, In that, initially, you know, when you see someone else make a, what might be a poor choice from the outside, it's easy <laughs> to be like, oh, that's a bad choice. But then if you actually, like, let it sit with it, it's easier to understand. Yeah. I have a feeling it might get a bit of that reaction to it. Mm-hmm. But I,
1: do you think? I could see it being polarizing. Because that was my experience—the first time I encountered *Lavu*—is mm-hmm. like shrinking away from what was actually sort of like an honest, dark, uncomfortable thing. Um, and because we've been spending like really engaging with the material now, yeah. I, it's hard to remember yeah. what that original recoil felt like. But it was definitely, definitely always get whiplash, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. And I and I don't mind I, that. I like I. It's harder to imagine now because we've been yeah, into digging, it, but I think that it. is part of the storytelling for *Lolita*. Right? Mm-hmm. Is like as an audience member, you do have those moments where you're like cr- cringing, which hopefully forces you to say, "Okay, why am I cringing?" That's what I'm interested in. As far as it not, neither of the plays, I think, really say. This is the question and this is the answer. I think they're both pretty mm-hmm. open-ended as far as what you take away from it. So, yeah, I think people's gut reactions will probably send them to polarities, but hopefully that will engage some sort of discussion about it. And which we haven't mentioned yet is that because we're having uh, four different versions of the cast, we're offering five dollar tickets if you want to come back and see one of the other versions, which I think will. If you do have a strong reaction to romance, I think it'll be an interesting insight to see how the same text can even change with two different actors. Mm-hmm. It's pretty exciting. It's been really exciting for us to yeah. see the way, even like one having the same actor as a both times, but two different B's. It can be a completely mm-hmm. different dynamic.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: In answering the last question, <laughs> you both did a very interesting thing talking about. Trying to remember when you first read it. Yeah. And that for me sort of raised an interesting question of like what goes on and do you think it's helpful? <laughs> the amount of I guess being desensitized by theater, I guess when you work on it, how how do you sort what what are your thoughts on that? How do you deal with that? Because I mean, I I like part of the job of a director is to mm. constantly be like, what is an audience going to see? What is an audience going to think when they see this? Mm -hmm. And trying to keep it fresh for yourself, even when the actors are getting stale with their renditions on stage. So how do you, I guess, how are you dealing with, I mean, do you want it, do you want your audience, I'm just going to keep on asking different versions (laughs) of the same question. Do you want your audience to have the experience that you had when you first read it? Or...
0: I think that's impossible. I think like because this my is...
1: I didn't have those act I didn't know those actors well enough yeah. to read it in their voices.
0: But also, but it's not just that. It's like I mean, I don't know. I think for me, like the director's job is making sure the story gets told and being the facilitator to make that happen. But like in particular with like any provocative subject matter, I don't know that you can entirely control how people are going to react, right? Because every every audience member comes in with their own personal history. And all I can do as far as honoring what Lebut has done is not shy away from how, how dark or how weird mm-hmm. it goes. Like, beyond that, I mean, not to say that I don't I'm not worried about what the audience is going to take away from it, but right. i I mm-hmm. do also know that it's not necessarily something I'm going to have control over and and in particular, I'm more with much more with romance than with overruled. The actors are having a whole lot more freedom mm, as yes. far as what the process is like there's right now there's no set blocking, and we're just now with like you know a couple weeks to the open starting to like mark the moments that are important to, like sort of guideposts to happen but I'm allowing them I'm telling them okay these moments when you just did it worked if you do something else and it really doesn't work I'll tell you but you don't have to feel married to those choices because for this piece I am interested in the the variations within that spectrum of of still honoring what story is but it is open and he's written in, it in a kind of open enough way that there is Experience.
2: so that your audience can have an open relationship oh. with the play <laughs> 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 couldn't resist um it's one line a day
0: uh,
1: <laughs> I don't
2: know yeah I, I, mean
0: guess
1: I guess i'm i guess i'm just
2: curious my question was sort of picking your brain on your thoughts on like the job of the director of like you know obviously you know being faithful to the playwright's intention mm-hmm. but then i guess part of it is to, like, how much do you, say, pull some of the punches that maybe might have hit you in the gut when you first read it? Like, how... Like, accessibility versus shock of content for an audience. Like, do you think a director should be making a subject like this like as palatable as the script will allow? Or... You know, mm. does one take something like Labute and go, "How do I make this as shocking as possible?"
0: Uh, I, that's so interesting because yeah. those aren't things I. W- w- I mean, it's not things that I haven't thought about, but it they're not like the. No,
2: nor, the nor, nor do right you right need anymore. to. It's just what no. I
1: ask when no, I'm recording. No, yeah, <laughs> no. I'm like, I. But it's I'm, it's interesting because when you see the different, or when we've been working on the different versions with the different actors, they def- they're definitely in some parts like an actor who pulls all the punches and an actor who, or not pulls all of the punches, but like. Yeah, there an actor that feels like that all the time, and then, yeah, and I one mean, like knows, sort of like,
0: and that's and that, but that I see that's also a whole other thing of like yeah. us navigating with them mm-hmm. what the dynamics are. For me, as far as like shock value or punches mm-hmm. and stuff, I am. It's important. What's important to me is the moments in play, in particular, the sort of the end of the play. That's very like, clearly written to be uncomfortable potentially for the audience. That to me, I've pretty explicitly said to them: you have freedom within this framework to make a variety of choices, but the feel of what happens needs to be in the same world of it's a very private moment for the person on for the character that does cause a level of discomfort for the audience. Um, that was incredibly vague, but I can't really say anything else about <laughs> you no, saying it. That's fine. But yeah. like, yeah, so I mean, yeah, I guess there is a bit of ensuring from from my perspective, ensuring that those that, that, that those sort of essential moments are there no matter what, while allowing freedom.
2: You made the point earlier when talking about the Shaw that you are very clear on certain things and then other things you're like you want them trying different stuff within the framework mm-hmm. but the way you set that up is is that very different then from how you're dealing with the labute
0: yeah, Could, yeah. How, how so um i think god we i mean with overrule we followed in some ways a fairly traditional rehearsal process um in that we were blocking off the top. And I, I mean, I say traditional, but it wasn't like old school. Like I said, you, move there <laughs> on this line. We worked the scenes and figured out, because it's a fairly small space and there's four people on stage, we figured out a rough shape for the blocking and then have literally just been going back and working, working it. Um, and then finessing blocking as needed, but really just filling those moments. Because the way it's written, it, it's really the specificity of all the moves and gestures and everything really needs to be precise Mm -hmm. um but for me because of the contrast in writing style it was sort of important and also an interesting challenge for me to approach romance from a much different way which is that i I, what i would say is that for me as far as style that I'm sort of stealing from or hopefully stealing from <laughs> is more like what the company theater does as far as having this sort of seemingly unblocked scenes it's, it's always very like raw mm. and you feel like you're like uh, uh, a like voyeur like you're oh, yeah. you're just like you've happened into this as opposed to feeling really stagey and that's sort of in, in my end goal that's the kind of feel that romance will have so, to really go to the extremes of playing up the contrast in both writing and acting and directing style so yeah the challenge for me is as a control freak is <laughs> saying okay <laughs> how, how what is that what do I do then um, and we're in an interesting part in, point in rehearsals right now where we're finding I've been like fairly hands off in letting them explore but now we are coming to a point where we are having to lay down more of a framework now that they've had some time to explore. That being said, I don't I don't think I'm still not going to set any blocking. It's more just being a bit more hands-on as far as ensuring that they each know, for each different partnering, that they know what that journey roughly is, so that they have enough comfort level that they feel like they can make a different choice one night and the other person will be able to react to it without mm-hmm. everything just falling apart. That's the goal at least.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so then cuz it's I mean it's interesting cuz I guess it's an interesting experience as a as a director then. It must it must be an interesting experience as a director to be dealing with the same script and how many different versions are there? Of
1: four. four. Four.
2: So like it really does sound like one of those theater school acting exercises where everybody has the same like generic script and everybody takes it in a different direction. And so what you're saying is it's sort of like, sounds like you started off and you let the four plays go in their own directions. Yeah. And now you're just sort of
0: like fine tuning each of those four different. We're, we're molding them now. Yeah. And I mean, it's also like, you know, different actors paired together will have a more instant relationship than others so Mm -hmm. now to me where we're at is like ensuring that each of them have had enough time and we're doing the right sort of work so each relationship is a believable relationship Um, and I mean for sure the goal isn't really for it to be there'll be four totally different interpretations it's more just like letting them each live in their own world and then seeing what happens and and inevitably like any different combination of two people inevitably has a different dynamic to it Mm -hmm. um and i'm just really the like facilitator for making sure they have what they need in the moment because it is very very much one of those plays where it's all just like listening and receiving (laughs) which is such like it's theater acting sounding, but it is really true. It is true. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> they, they taught us it for a reason. Like you, re- it is very. and I, I keep telling that to them. Is like once you're off the book, you have this framework. The goal to me is that you are really there with the other person, and then everything else is extraneous. Because we'll have done the work that they can trust that it's gonna go. Where it's gonna go.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um
0: Do you wanna talk about World Theater Day? Oh yeah. Our um preview is on World Theater Day, Wednesday, March twenty seventh. So we're gonna be in order to celebrate. We're uh <laughs> the first twenty people, first twenty audience members at the door, uh will get in for free. So
1: Come on out. Yeah, yeah no,
0: we're, because I think it's a cool opportunity, especially because it's a preview mm-hmm. and we we definitely want people to come out. Um, I mean, that being said, if you're not, if you're the 21st person, the preview tickets are $10. So hopefully people will not leave <laughs> if they're the 21st person. But yeah, that's our one little promotion right now. Other than also, you can come back a second, third, fourth time for $5 as well. Because mm-hmm. that is like, Beyond my artistic interests, having the work be accessible is, like, pretty high on my list of priorities as far as a mandate for mm-hmm. the theater goes. Yeah.
2: Tell me about the space. Tell me about Red Sandcastle.
0: Oh, it's really cool. It's a, So it's a converted storefront theater. So mm-hmm. it's like a room, basically, that has been turned into a little theater that's like a twist on a black box theater essentially. So it's got a lighting grid, it's got wings and stuff, but when I went in to see it the first time it was literally all the chairs were cleared away. So we were literally just walking me into a room where on one side it was all black. <laughs> so it's like a it's a very intimate space. It holds like I think about fifty or so people and some um, I'm really excited about it because I think These pieces in particular but theater in general to be really interesting when you are really up close and personal Mm -hmm. and that There's even in the last row. You're not Going to be pretty far away, so it's gonna be good, and it's you know, it's Queen East Which is I'm like I'm a West Ender, but Mm -hmm. it's very accessible streetcar and um yeah. Have you been there? I haven't been there before. It's gonna be a surprise to her. I'm excited. (laughs) I'm pretty excited. Yeah, we're excited. Yeah. And they've been really great there as far as coordinating everything. And I'm, I think it's going to be the perfect space for it. Yeah.
2: The Houghton Theater, uh, Overruled in Romance, playing at the Red Sand Castle Theater, March 27th to April 6th. Ladies, thank you so much for joining me. Thank,
0: thank you.
1: you.
2: Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you have an upcoming Toronto-based performing arts project or production, I want to talk
1: to you about it. Visit walkleft.ca.